Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Uh, but God, God has been revealing things to me about grace, the abundance of grace. And I got this title from Romans 5.17. It says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. Say, abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness. Say, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. How many of you would like to reign in life? And God wants you to. That's why he's given you two things necessary to reign in life, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I love that, that term, the gift of righteousness. Again, it's not something you can earn. It can only be given to you. It's so, so precious, so valuable, so immeasurable. Only God can give it to you. The kind of righteousness you can earn on your own just isn't good enough. I don't care how good you think you are. It's not good enough. And uh, man, the abundance of grace. I love whenever God reveals his grace. And you can see his grace revealed from Genesis to Revelation. God is the same God. You know, his heart has always been the same. There have been different like time periods in history. There, but but his, God has always remained the same. His heart for mankind has always remained the same. And uh, God is such a God of grace. And whenever he reveals his grace, it is always Abundant. It is never in short supply. So several years ago, God kind of told me this about grace, um, that there are three main aspects of grace. And um, I'm finally just teaching on it now in this series. But the first thing I taught on about grace is that grace frees you. Most Christians understand this aspect of grace, that grace frees you. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love that. Grace frees you. So, so when you come to Jesus, all, he, you are completely free from all your sin, from all your failure, from from. From the mess that, that you were born into, the mess that you made, the mess that other people, man, you, you are completely free from it. Hallelujah. Completely free. Amen. Washed white as snow, amen? I love all those songs about the blood of Jesus tonight and just freedom through the blood of Jesus. And um, man, you, you have been washed white as snow. So most people understand that. And I, I kind of had this this picture of a report card, like when you come to Jesus, your past sins, your past failures, they're all written down on your report card. All of that. And um, when you come to Jesus, that that is completely done away with. Like when you get to heaven one day, God's not going to pull out an old you know, video camera and say, let's look at what you did when you were five. And you know, there's just like volumes and volumes and volumes of your mistakes and and things like that. That's not going to happen. It's all completely gone. And it's so gone, God doesn't even remember it at all. The only person who remembers your mistakes are really the enemy. And he tries to bring those things up to you often. But, but God, God does not remember. It is completely gone. It's like that report card is just completely shredded and, and gasoline's dumped on it. And it's lit on fire. And it's not there anymore. Amen? But grace also transforms you. That's the second thing that grace does. Grace transforms you. And I know, I know a lot of Christians don't really understand this because I, I um, just, just 
you know, going through life, I try to connect with other Christians what, you know, when I was in college and, and different times of my life, and I, I could really understand that they don't understand this aspect of grace by the way that they pray, the way that they confess who they are, how they identify themselves. Oh, God, please help me. I'm just a miserable worm. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a, just a heathen, Lord. I, I, I'm so unworthy. I'm... That, that's not who you are anymore. Grace transforms you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are you identifying with your new creation? Who you are in Christ. We get to see ourselves in Christ, so grace transforms you. And a lot of people don't really want to talk about who they are in Christ, these, re- these in Christ realities, because because they're scared that people can't live up to it. They're scared that they can't live up to it. I've seen, I, I, I just saw someone preaching through, through Romans and he got hung up on Romans 7 and said, this is me. I struggle with sin all the time. This is me, this is every, be- I saw him get really hung up there. And, and, and he's someone who wouldn't really preach in Christ realities, the, the transformation of grace, because he doesn't, he doesn't understand that, that there is power. Grace has power. When God calls you righteous, when God calls you a saint, when God says, these signs shall follow them who believe, God knows that there is power to his grace. There is power to back up what he says you are. He takes that, that, he gives you a new report card. He takes the report card of Jesus. Jesus, his righteousness, 100% A+. Jesus, his joy, 100% A+. Jesus, his peace, 100% A+. Jesus, his authority, there is no other name. But he gives us his name. And God takes his report card and he writes your name next to it. His righteousness is now your righteousness. His peace is your peace. His joy is is your, and his authority. You have authority in his name. You have the power to use his name. So he empowers you. To be the A-plus student, the the one to reign in life. You cannot reign in life without the power of his grace. Grace is often defined as God's unmerited favor. I I like this definition a little bit better. It's by Charles Capps. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I really like this definition of grace. Grace is God's willingness to use his power and his ability on your behalf, even though you don't deserve it. Grace is God's willingness. Again, it's his will. It's his willingness to use his power, his ability on your behalf, even though you don't deserve it. I still don't deserve it, but by his grace, I am who I am. And God is using me. 
Man, there, there, there is power to the grace of God. There is, there is resurrection power. Romans 8, 11 says it this way, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You are not just a, an old dead worm. You're not just an old dead sinner. His resurrection power is in you. So what, what does, what does this, this empowering type of grace do in the life of a believer? I have three, three things I, I want to really draw out about, about the abundance of grace. So again, grace is always abundant. So grace, first of all, empowers you to be a witness. You know, um, I, have, I have an eight-year-old son, I have an almost two-year-old daughter, and, and my eight-year-old son is kind of a, a mama's boy. He usually likes his mama to pray for him at night and tuck him in and, and give him a hug and kiss, but every now and then I do it. And when I do it, I always pray, I pray kind of the same prayer every night, but one thing I pray over my son Fisher is that God would make him, help him be a great witness for him. And I pray it every time I pray for him, and it's the same thing that my dad prayed over me and my brother Andrew and my brother Peter. He would pray it every night that God would help us be witnesses for him. That is, that is a grace prayer. It takes the grace of God, it takes the power of his grace to really be a strong witness for him. And, and really, really one of the, the, the greatest grace gifts that Jesus has given to us believers is, is is the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Man, what, what an awesome gift to empower you to be a witness. And you can't, you can't earn the Holy Spirit. You can't earn that gift. You can't earn that promise. That can only be given to you. And when it's given to you, it is always in full measure and in more than enough type of measure. Man, it's like... It's like when you believe on Jesus and he comes in you, his spirit comes in you, it's like drinking water. It's like drinking living water. It's inside of you. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like being thrown into the ocean. And every time I think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being thrown in the ocean, I think, I think of when, when I was a young man, I was playing, I think I told this story before, but I tell it again because my dad's here tonight. I don't know if he knows this story, but his mom, my grandma, was visiting me in Santa Barbara, California, when I was playing some concerts there over, over a decade ago. And uh, this was a couple of hours before the concert. We were dressed, ready for the concert, and we decided to go for a walk on the beach. And I, I am from Colorado. My grandma, I call her a chicken grandma because she's the, of the two grandmas I had, she's the one that had chickens. And she's still known as chicken grandma. Even to this day, even, even Fisher calls her chicken grandma. So chicken grandma is, is dressed, you know, very nice. But we, we don't know how the ocean works. She, she's from Lamar, Colorado. They have the Arkansas River there. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is not like jumping in the Arkansas River. It's like, it's like what happened to us with the Pacific Ocean. We went for a walk on the beach, like half our walk. We come back, and the, and the tide had come up quite a bit. 
So we, we, we kind of walked from one beach to another beach around this rocky pier, and, and we noticed the water had come up, so we thought we'd try to climb on the rocks and, and get to the other beach where we needed to go to get back to our car. While, while we're on, on, on these rocks, just, just a huge wave came over and just crashed over us, knocked me on the ground, knocked chicken grandma on the ground. She was just covered in water, covered in sand, covered in seaweed, <clears throat> and kelp, I think, is what it is. I, I, don't, I don't really know. I'm not an ocean person. I'm from Colorado. But uh, the Holy, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care how pretty you made yourself to go to church or how, what, you know, what, if you took a shower or not or if who's around you. The, the Holy Ghost does not care. He is like the ocean, and, and he's going to come, and just when you get around the Holy Ghost, you better watch out. You might get wet. Just, if you come around this church, watch out. You might get a little wet. You might get knocked down. Either the Holy Ghost will throw you down, or some, the preacher is going to throw you down. I don't, I don't know how it works, but... And the, whole, the Holy Ghost will, will empower you to be a, a witness. And um, I, I love what Jesus said. In Luke 24, he said, Behold, I send, send the promise of my Father. I like that he calls it the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That word endued means just to be like clothed with. To be clothed with. And to be clothed with something so, so, so rich, so significant, it just like seeps into you. That, that is that word for endued there. I, behold, I, sin, I just love that. The promise of my Father. It's just not a promise. It, Jesus called it the promise. It's, it's a big deal. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Man, the Holy Ghost, man, he, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the Holy Ghost. You're going to love the Holy Ghost. I love, I love looking at, at Man, talk, talk about something that can bring major transformation to your life, major empowerment for that transformation to occur. The Holy Ghost does that. I just look at the life of Peter. Before, be, before the Holy Ghost, his BHG episodes were interesting. <laughs> you know, one of the last conversations that, Jesus, that Peter had with Jesus, you know, this is in Matthew 26, 33 through 35. Matthew 26, 33 through 35. It says, Peter answered and said unto him to Jesus, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. This is the King James. I like, I like that word, offended. I've heard, I've heard people here at church say, I can never be offended. <laughs> I'm offense proof. I can never be offended. And then the cock crows. 
and they took the bait. <laughs> I will never be offended. Lydia's back there. Hello, Lydia. She, she, she is our choir director. How many of you loved the choir this past Sunday? <laughs> Lydia told me when she heard the song, uh, it's an Israel Houghton song. When she heard this song for the first time, she thought the words were this. I'm offended, God. I'm offended, God. I'm offended, God. You call me friend. She's like, why would you sing about being offended and then say, God, you call me friend? I think that's actually an accurate song for a lot of people to sing <laughs> in the church. If we sang what we were really thinking, I will never be offended. Jesus said, verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, though I should die with you, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. I like that it was a chicken that crowed. That was his, uh, his spirit animal, a chicken. <laughs> that was a prophetic animal crowing. Saying, Peter, you are a chicken, 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 you are. But after, the Holy Ghost will slap the chicken out of you. Man, just, just look, this is, this is even like two months later. Two months later, there, there is no amount of therapy or counseling or, you know, what did your daddy do to you, Peter? Like, no, no amount of that could have, in two months' time, done what the Holy Ghost did to Peter. Man, on the day of Pentecost... That, that's, that's a video I'm going to want to see when I go to heaven. That's the kind of videos that we can ask God to show. He's not going to show you your mistakes, but he'll show you stuff, really cool stuff. God, I want to see, what, I want to see those cloves of fire. Man, I, I've seen some cool things. There are some cool things that have, have happened in the Bible, but God is not done yet. Man, after his, after, he, man, he, he got up just after being baptized in the Holy Ghost, just being after being um, doused in the ocean. He didn't really care how he looked. He might have before, but now he did not. <laughs> if you're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, just say, it's better if I just don't care. Say, it's better if I don't care. Look at the person next to you and say, it's better if you don't care. That's, a, that's a good. That's a good word for someone. Man, he preached one of, one of the, the best sermons ever preached in church history on the day the church was born. He preached how every preacher should preach. He preached the word. I love that he, he started off just preaching from the prophet Joel. This is in Acts 2. He didn't even have time to go to a seminary to learn the proper way to craft a sermon or and he just started writing, Acts 2, 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see 
see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants, on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, in signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He preached the word. He preached Jesus. I love that, what he said about Jesus. He said he was attested by God by signs, miracles, and wonders. God has backed up the word of Jesus Christ. He preached Jesus crucified. He preached his resurrection. He said in Acts 2.24 that God has raised him up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He preached his exaltation, his lordship. He preached that he is the Christ. Period. In verse 32, he said, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise. I like that he calls it the promise. Say, the promise. Of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. He preached the Holy Ghost. He also preached repentance. Pastors can still preach repentance. They can preach that you need to surrender it all. What is Jesus asking for? Not much, just everything. What you think is everything is not much. Just give it to him. Verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He preached about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's awesome. Man, talk, talk about a radical empowerment. The Holy Ghost just doesn't care. If, you, if you've never, never um, asked God to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, it, it will be a notable thing in your life. Just, just like it was for Peter, it, it might, I don't know how it's going to look. You can't, you can't put the Holy Ghost in a box. But in Acts, whenever, whenever people were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they, they prayed in tongues. And God, God wants you to have the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be, to be clothed with the Holy Ghost. To be Maybe, maybe you, you've drunk from the waters of salvation, but because you have that water in you, you can now be doused in the ocean of the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was in college, I was telling, telling a friend about this. She was a very strong believer. She, had, she really hungered and thirsted for God big time. She would read her Bible three hours a day. She was so hungry for God. And I, 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 knew, I knew that this, this promise was for her, and it, it, would, it would be one of the greatest things that ever, could ever happen to her to receive the Holy Ghost. And I would tell her about it, showing Scripture. She could see in Scripture, but she, she was a little hesitant to go for a walk on the beach. I don't know what it's going to be like down there. I've, I've stayed within my 
Colorado denomination for a long time. You know, my parents are from this certain denomination, and my grandparents are from here, and, and I can't get out there on the beach. It's, it's forbidden. And I took her to a, a, a service, a, a healing, healing evangelist was there in Pittsburgh. Billy Burke was his name. And I helped with his services. I got to play flute with uh, his pianist at his services. And Billy Burke, um, one of the most powerful healing evangelists on, on the earth today. And um, he, he was holding a meeting at um, the first Presbyterian church in downtown Pittsburgh. The Presbyterian church of, of Pittsburgh allowed him to bring the ocean into their church. And they did so because they allowed Catherine Coleman in their years before. And when Catherine Coleman was there, when he was 10 years old, he was sent home to die with terminal brain cancer. When he was 10 years old, he was instantly healed at a Catherine Coleman meeting in that, in that very church. And decades later, he held healing meetings in that same church. And, and, and uh, me and my friend, she, she, she got a little wet at that meeting. But she wasn't quite ready to jump in the ocean. She even called her mom and said, look, I, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and there, there's water here. And, and her mom, you know, I don't know. Never been that far to the ocean before. Could be the devil. I wasn't a great theologian at the time. But my 20-year-old theologian self said, well, well let's, let's think about this. Does the devil want people to get saved? No. Does the devil want people to get healed? No. Does the devil want to set people free? No. But people are being healed. People are being set free. People are being saved, coming to Jesus. Jesus is being glorified. The devil does not want Jesus to be glorified. That, that, is, that is the opposite of what the devil wants. So th this is God. She said, yes. Anyways, we went to this meeting and um, after the meeting, it's, it's like close to midnight. Uh, I, I take her to her dorm, and I just asked her, you know, dude, we, we, we've, we've been through the scripture. We we've see this is the promise. God wants you to have this. Do, do, you, do you want it? God isn't going to give you things that you don't want. God is not going to give you things that you do not ask for. Jesus said to ask, seek. Knock, thirst. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're, if you're okay without, then you'll go without. I said, do, do, do you want this? She said, she said yes, I, I want this. And I prayed one of the most simple, simple prayers ever for someone to receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just said, thank you, God, that... that my friend is saved, she loves you, and I just thank you, Lord, it's not about what she's done, it's about what you've done, and we just ask that, ask that she receive this free gift of the Holy Spirit. Simple prayer, and as I pray that, her arms just started shaking uncontrollably. And again, I, you, can't, you can't put the, whole, the Holy Spirit in a box. She just started shaking, and she, she'd, she was not a holy roller. <laughs> She'd never been to Karis Christian Center. She'd never been to camp meeting here. She never, she was just so hungry, so thirsty, so when she finally just opened up her heart a little bit, man, the Holy, it just came, came rushing in like a flood. 
And she's just shaking, and then, and, then, and then she started praying in tongues. And she, she just fell, fell on the floor and was rolling around on the floor, praying in tongues, just, just her arms shaking. And, and um, I was praying over her, prophesying over her, and then, and then um, being the great 20-year-old theologian that I was, I said, hey, look, God is doing something awesome here. Maybe you should ask him for something. And I wanted her to ask for healing because she, she was a flutist like myself, but she, she had um, practiced so much when she was in high school. She practiced eight or nine hours a day. She practiced so much that she, she um, developed incredibly bad tendonitis in her arm, so bad that she had to get steroid shots. She couldn't even open a doorknob without pain. So she went to college for music, but she couldn't even do anything with music because she could barely move her fingers, even, even getting medical help, getting steroid shots. And I, I was thinking, hey, ask, ask for, but I just said, just ask God for something. And she, she asked God that her heart would be healed. Because she, she just dealt with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of condemnation. And as she just asked that, she, her, her arm just came over to her heart, just shook over her heart. And it's like something was just lifted off of her. That, that, she, she, that, that she was clothed with shame, clothed with guilt, clothed with, that, that, that clothing was never on her ever again. But she was endued with something else. The Holy, the Holy Ghost will, will in, clothe you, will, will permeate you with his, his love, his favor, his peace. And then this time I, I, I said, hey, ask God to heal your arms. I just told her. She said, all right, God, heal my arms. And her arms started shaking even more. And her arms were instantly healed. She never had any more pain, didn't need any more shots, any more medical intervention. And, and, and for weeks, whenever she would read her Bible, her arms would just start shaking again. For, for weeks after this. And if, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you, you need to do it tonight. You don't, you don't have to wait in an upper room. The Holy Ghost has already been poured out. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. You do not have to wait. If you are a believer, it is a promise that Jesus wants you to have. So after service, you need to come up and say, just ask. Just ask. Just dip, dip your toe in the ocean and see what happens. You're probably gonna get wet but you're gonna be better off than you were before, I guarantee it. You will be empowered to be a witness. Grace also empowers you to live the Christian life. It is impossible to do what the Bible says to do, to do what Jesus says to do without the power of his grace. Grace empowers you to live the basic Christian life. And the basic Christian life, it is supernatural. It is not normal, it is not commonplace, it is not ordinary, it does not look. The basic Christian life is extraordinary. It is abundant, it is victorious, it is. How can I pray for you? It, it is casting out demons, it is healing the sick, it is. And we, we need his grace. 
Man, if you, if you have the anointing of Jesus in you, the light of Jesus in you, if you are carrying that in this, in this present age, this dark, gross, disgusting, worldly age that we live in, if you are carrying that light, that light that cannot be hidden, that lamp that could be not put under a bushel, you need the power of his grace to do so. Let's look at John 17. John 17, let's start in verse 13. This is Jesus' last prayer before he goes to the cross. He says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I love that. Even while living in a dark world, we can have supernatural joy. joy. Jesus was anointed with joy beyond any human being. We can have that same joy even in this present age that we're living in. Even, even as, as things get darker and darker, we can have the same joy that Jesus had, a joy that is greater than, than any joy that can be explained. I want my joy to be fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. The word of God will empower you. You need the word of God to live in this present age. You need this. Man, you see where this is taken away. Wherever this is taken away, it gets dark and it gets very, very dark, very, very evil. This is a lamp, this is a light. You're gonna need it. It is powerful. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus has become our sanctification. You, you are sanctified through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the priests would sanctify certain vessels, certain cups, certain things that they would bring into, they would have to be sanctified themselves. They would be sanctified with blood by a blood offering. Now, if they had to be sanctified by a blood offering to come in, into God's presence, how much more sanctified are you if you've been covered by the blood of Jesus? You are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You are sanctified by his truth. The Holy Spirit will, will lead you into all truth. Are there lies out there in the world today? Yes, there are tons of lies. But God, God has spoken this to me. You do not need to worry about the lies. Get frustrated by all the lies because you have the truth. And the truth always prevails. The truth is eternal. God's word is eternal. The truth will not die. Lies will die. Every lie from the enemy will die. Every lie from every false religion will die. 
But the truth will always live. The truth will always prevail. So we can shout and rejoice because the truth will always prevail. Amen? And we bear the truth. There is so much power in truth. And that, that, is, that is, we are anointed to carry truth. Amen? And because the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us, the, you, you need grace for so many. Grace is a powerful teacher. This is something really cool I want to share with you. Grace is a powerful teacher. What was the law described as? Galatians 3.24, what was the law described? The law was described as a schoolmaster. The law. The law of Moses was, was described as a schoolmaster, a type of tutor, a, a type of teacher that would bring us to Christ. Now that you have come to Christ, you, you have graduated past the law. How many of you have graduated past elementary school? The law is like elementary school. Now, now that we've come to Christ and, and he's given us his Holy Spirit, we have his word, you don't have to go back to elementary school. You don't have to live according to elementary school type living. Thank God. Maybe you really like your milk and graham crackers and nap time and recess. Too many Christians are stuck there. You, you need to go on to, to advanced schooling where there's a new teacher and that, that teacher in, in your, your advanced Degrees of Christian maturity, it is not the law. It is now grace. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the power of grace. Grace is a powerful teacher. God's grace will teach you. Some people are scared to leave the law because they're scared to leave that, that schoolmaster. Well, how, how can I be instructed? How can I know how to live the Christian life without rules and recess and bells and whistles and, and milk time and nap time and, and, and my bathroom pass. And you need to grow up, mature, get a revelation of grace. Grace will teach you how to live better than the law can teach you. Jesus said the law will not teach, the, the law will tell you not to murder, but that will not make you a good person. You can still be filled with hatred and calling your brother a fool and be guilty of the hellfire. The law will not, will not empower you. Grace will empower you. Maybe the law could teach you, but grace is a power teacher. Let's read about it in Titus 2. Titus 2. We'll start in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. Say, teaching us. Grace teaches us. Don't be scared that you are in a grace church. Grace will teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly. That, that word soberly, it, mean, it means to, to have a sound mind. How can God teach you? How can he instruct you? How, how can God instruct us? With the mind of Christ. He's given us, he's empowered us through his grace with the mind of Christ. So we can, we can have the mind of Christ to be sober-minded, righteous, and godly in this present age. When, when Paul was writing this to Titus, that present age was very dark. 
just like it is today. And we can look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself for his, as his own special people. Say, I'm special. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm uncommon. I'm unique. I'm peculiar. I am a royal priesthood. You better not care. Zealous. I love this. Zealous for good works. What does it mean to be zealous for good works? Grace will make you zealous for good works. That means to be eager to do what he has called you to do. There is grace for what God has called you to do. There is grace for your calling. There is grace for your God-given purpose. This is my last point, that grace empowers you to do what God has called you to do. You are here for a specific purpose. If you are living, if you are breathing, if you are here tonight, if you're watching this message right now, God has called you to do something, and that something is something greater than what you can do on your own. Your grace calling, I'm going to call it a grace calling, it's greater than what you can do on your own. Maybe you're called to be a parent. I am called to be a parent. Why do I know that? Because I have kids. How many of you have kids at under the age of 18? You can be called to be a parent of adult children as well. There's grace for that. You might need extra grace for that. If you have kids, you are called to be a parent. With his grace, you will do it better than doing it on your own. Maybe you're called to be a teacher. That is something that you are called to do. With his grace, you will be a better teacher than you are on your own. Maybe you're called to be an engineer. With his grace, you will be a better engineer than you are on your own. Maybe you're called to be an artist. With his grace, you will be a better artist than you are on your own. Maybe you're called to be a pastor. If you are called to be a pastor, you are going to need his grace. You are going to need need to be better than you can do it on your own. If you try to do it on your own, you will burn out, dry up, blow away. I've seen people who try to do it on their own and and they they burn up, dry up, blow away, and they, they write kind of whiny posts about how they need to recover from ministry. We're all called to ministry, so where's Paul's letter on? I just need time to detox from ministry. (laughs) Peter, Peter, where's your letter on on that you just need to take a sabbatical for a couple years and detox from from people, from ministry, from, from hurt? Grace empowers you in your God-given calling. Amen? One little statement. Can I say one little thing? God wants to give you more grace. More, did you know you can have more grace? It's abundant. There, There is more of it. There's always more of it. As much, as many jars as you can get, 
to fill up with his grace. He will fill it up. There is more grace. Let's go to 1 Peter 5. This is really good. If you've stuck around with me for this long, if you haven't gotten anything good, this will make it worth it. Trust me, this, this, this will make, make, make it worth the ticket that you paid to get here tonight. If not, I will refund you the full <laughs> ticket value. God wants to give you more grace. Likewise, you younger, this is 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed. Say, be clothed. We can be endued with the Holy Spirit. You can be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace. Say, God gives grace to the humble. Verse six, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you, period. A lot of people stop right there. But this actually ties into verse eight. Be sober. We just talked about being sober. Grace will teach you to be sober. Pride will make you drunk in your thoughts. You'll be drunk with yourself. The devil wants to stop God's grace in you. The, the, the number one thing that the devil wants to do to you, it's not, it's not necessarily to kill you. The number one thing that the devil wants to do to believers on this earth is to stop the, the empowering grace from working in that believer's life for doing what God has called them and anointed them specifically to do. The devil wants to stop you from from doing what God has called you to do. How does he do that? How does he devour people? He wants to devour your calling. He wants to devour that empowering grace for for your destiny. This is how he devours people. It is with pride. Pride will, will stop God's grace, empowering grace from working in your life, from from enabling you to do what you're called to do. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Every brother and sister in Christ isn't treated right all the time, isn't but you, you can't you can't you can't give place to the devil, you can't give place to pride. You can't let your feelings get hurt so so much. You can't be an elementary student maturity level forever. You can't get offended every time the chicken crows. That will stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Offense, pride. Resist the, only you can resist the devil. Only you can humble yourself. But may the God of all, say the God of all grace, who has called us, he's called me. 
to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Say settle you. Man, this is, this is very important. To be settled. To be content. I'm happy you came tonight. I'm thankful you came tonight. But if only five people came tonight, it wouldn't change me. If, if, you, if you like me or don't, it, you, you need to be, be content. You need to be, to be spiritually minded. This goes back to where we started, that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If, Pastor, if, I, if I walked into work tomorrow morning at nine and Pastor Lesson says, Aaron, that was a terrible message. I'm now demoting you to, you are just cleaning toilets and nothing else ever again, as long as I live. Does that change who I am in Christ? Does that change that grace has freed me? Does it change that grace has transformed me? Does it change God's call on my life? No, because God, God has called me. And, and, and I, I, can, I can be settled, I can be happy, I can, I can just trust God. I'm just going to keep basking in his grace. Amen? Whenever the devil tries to make you upset, get you in offense, get you in pride, just, just go back to that place of grace and just bask in it. So this is my conclusion. Say it with me. I am destined to reign. I have the gift of righteousness. I have the abundance of grace. This abundant grace frees me. This grace transforms me. And this grace empowers me. I'm going to do everything that God has called me to do. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.